Why do you think people are so uncomfortable talking about death when it happens to us, you know? Wow, it's the fear of the unknown. Nobody wants... So there, there was someone who told me a long time ago, every person that get born always get born with a critical disease called death. We all have that disease and we're all going to die from it one day. <laughs> and we all know it's going to come. We're always afraid of that because it's living the known which have been our life and going to something that we don't know. And what is more mutable and permanent than death? There is no coming back, at least a way that we know about it today. So it's going beyond the curtain without knowing what is there and knowing that you cannot undo, you cannot come back. So it's a one-way journey that, hey, it might be great, but since nobody came back to tell us about the experience on the other side, then people are afraid to go there. Um, life, to me, is kind of like being part of a great game. It's, it's a great game of life. And nobody wants to live a good game. If you're having fun and you're playing a game, you don't want to see the game over sign and know that you're done with that. You want to keep playing. You're, you're having a blast. So why, why have the game end? You want to stay there as much as you can. And I think that's where it's coming from. We, we all like to be on this planet. We all like to be living, experience, feel. Who want to give it up? You're tuned to the R-Cast. Where we talk about the blockchain. On the R-Cast. And how your data remains. It's the R-Cast. Where R-Drive is the topic. Censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Hi friends, welcome to episode 18 of the R-Cast. It's your host, Andrew. Back with the interview with Ben Peary, who created Memory Gardens, which is a way to memorialize loved ones, a way to celebrate life's moments permanently through these interesting interactive galleries. So this is a super interesting conversation because we've never worked with anyone quite like this in the space who uses Arweave and R-Drive for a project like this. We've been doing this podcast for about nine months and it's been a blast. Thank you everyone for your feedback. Thank you to all our great guests. We just launched the Arweave name system test so if you want to try out a name on rweave.dev, you can go to pilot.ar.io to get started and then pages.rweave.dev to figure out how to set up your page. I just did a video about some of the interesting pages that people have been testing. You can check out mclars.rweave.dev for a little page I put together. So check that out because that is still running and we'd love to have people trying out our new Rweave name system and the... Ants, which is the Arweave name token. So for more info, check out the Twitter, uh, R-Drive app on Twitter and AR underscore IO underscore network on Twitter for info on this. Uh, Inferno is still at large. It's still happening. We are giving out R-Drive tokens to the top 50 uploaders who upload over 100 megabytes. So be sure to check out the leaderboard at inferno.rdrive.io. And you may not realize if you're uploading, you may not realize that you are participating in Inferno. So shout out to all of the uploaders. So this is my interview with Ben at Memory Gardens. They just finished the alpha and the airdrop whitelist registration is still open. So be sure to use the special whitelist code for our community members, which is rdrive675, and uh, you can test that Memory Garden. So this is my interview with Ben. Friends, welcome to the Rcast. I'm here with Ben Perry, and we're here to talk about Memory Gardens and his new project. We're here to talk about his background, how he got to this point, and what the hopes and dreams are for this platform. So, first of all, Ben, thank you so much for making time to be on the Rcast. Would you mind talking a little bit about 
what memory gardens are, and then we'll talk about how you arrived at the concept. Sure. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Um, memory garden is intended to be your forever gallery in the metaverse. The core concept behind that is that everybody wants to leave a legacy behind them and everybody wants to be remembered. Uh, people back in the history used to go for walls, did amazing feats and everything so they can be written or the name can be written in the books of history. Uh, today, it's, it's much simpler. Um, you have the R-Wave, which is the permaweb, and you can record your legacy over there. So it's all about making it accessible for the end users and make that as an immersive experience of telling a story. Because a story, the way it stands, it's beyond just pictures or words. It's a combination of content, let it be uh, uh, words or pictures or videos and emotions that are activated behind the story. So Memory Garden is there to serve two things. One, storing that content using R-Wave and R-Drive and placing that on the blockchain in a decentralized fashion so it will be immutable and will last for 200 years. And then work on how the data is being consumed and experienced when the user want to view the content that they have placed in R-Wave. That's really cool. So this idea that now anyone can be immortalized if they set up if they can set up with memory gardens and live forever in a way that they couldn't before because like Napoleon he would have had an interesting memory gardens right so that, that, that that's actually a great example and it goes to two sides of things so there is a story that you want to tell about yourself and then there is a story people tells about you from their perspective so Napoleon's history was mostly written by people post-mortem and they created the content about him. Maybe that's not the way that he wanted to be presented. So in Memory Gardens, we allow you to create your own story, record that when you're alive, and say what is important to you. And then at the end, at the last chapter of the book, when you're departing from that world, your loved ones can record the story from their perspective, connect all those pieces together, and then future generation, your kids, your grandkids, down the line, can see exactly who you were and what you were. It's, it's like ancestry on steroids, but <laughs> instead of looking at where you came from in, in, in DNA, you're actually looking at the personal stories of those people and all the stuff that they produced throughout their lifetime, all the content, all the pictures, all the happy moments, sad moments, whatever that will be. It's really cool. And um, it's interesting for anyone who's, a fan of storytelling, which I found a lot of the Arweave community is very interested in this. And like, I know you're a video game fan. You like music just from like our meetings before, like you're a fan of creative storytelling. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got to this point? Maybe some of your background before Memory Gardens? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I have been a, a, a corporate goon for a very long time. <laughs> so been in the corporate ladder since I can remember myself. And my last position was actually in JP Morgan Chase. I was doing a lot of the cloud architecture there and cloud security for the online platforms. But that's, that's kind of like a year ago that I left the Web2 world and moved to the Web3, which is in Web3 world is like dog years. So it feels like seven years <laughs> since I left. Um, the, the journey for me to, to Web3 was a long one. I've been in the industry for quite a while and started mining Bitcoin when the first ASICs came out and, and then did the Litecoin when it came out. So I've been there, I've seen things and I always loved the tech. 
always been an investor, uh, always got involved in the community. I was actually part of other projects in the past. Um, none of them actually made it to market, but if you don't try, you don't know. Um, this one, um, the memory gardens idea came from COVID. So sitting at home and all the doom and gloom around you, you're like thinking a lot about uh, what does it mean to live? What does it mean to die? What does it mean when you're departing the world? And can you leave something behind you after you live? And I came to a conclusion or understanding that in my opinion, uh, we as a people, we are hardware and software. Uh, the body is the hardware, the, the soul and the mind is the software. And maybe I can take a few snippets of that software and keep them for later and keep them for some next generations to go ahead and, and have a peek at that. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, like I, I told my daughter um, about my school and how I grew up. Um, when I grew up uh, back in Israel and I was in elementary school, we had 45 to 50 kids in one classroom. She cannot understand that because she is living in a world where she has like 15 kids in class and she has a really good facility and everything. Mm. And trying to bring her to that moment and trying to explain how it was for me is impossible. She would not get that experience. But what if I could go ahead and capture that? What if I can go ahead and create a 3D gallery that looks like my classroom in the past, put the pictures of all my classmates, how I was when I was 6, 10, 12 years old, and then I could have showed her that. The connection and the bond that you can have by sharing those memories and bringing people to your perspective and your optics and how you experienced life when you were younger or older, it's something that is very, very hard to do because when you experience someone that comes from a different generation, they see it with their own optics, with their own lens, with their own interpretation. So how can you tell the story the way it was experienced by you? You mm. need something to wrap around this picture, give the experience, some music. I think in the future, we're going to have some sensual uh, um, like smells and, and, and actually a good haptic. It will make it even better, but we're not there yet. So right now, the best thing we can do is something that is visual and, and audio related. And the more immersive it is, the more it encapsulates the entire story, the more you can go ahead and, and, and say what it was and get the other person that wasn't in that point of time to experience what you experienced. And by that, creating that connection. Mm, that's really cool. And it's really cool you thinking about how to communicate with your daughter and how to think about your legacy in the future. Um, one question I had, which I was really impressed by, um, was the ability to be immersive, talking about haptics, maybe virtual reality. That's something that seems new in the Arweave world and that you're pioneering that as an idea. And I was wondering, yeah, if we could talk a little bit about why Arweave, why you, how you discovered Arweave, and then the, um, some of your thoughts on how to make it more immersive in the future, like with VR and stuff, yeah. Sure, so the way I found about Arweave is looking for a solution for a long time storage. Um, the thought was, okay, if, if I'm not here anymore and nobody's paying the bills to Google or to Dropbox or wherever my stuff is stashed, how, how can I make sure it's, it's lasting? And that's where Arweave was, was a perfect fit. And then a good interface into the Arweave uh, uh, blockchain was the R drive, which, which I choose to use. Um, everything is great. Storing data on Arweave is, for web free, considers easy in my opinion. But there is other side of the coin is how you consume the data 
and how you experience the data. So going back to my story about my daughter, it's like, if I'm going to show a picture of my school, it's, it's, it's too flat. It's not immersive. She will not comprehend that I was sitting in, in, in a classroom with 45 kids, 38 degrees Celsius, 110, 105 Fahrenheit, no AC, no nothing, and everybody's cramped in a one small class. Mm. You, you don't get it by just one picture. You need to tell a story around the picture. So that's why in my mind, to tell a proper story, the immersiveness is, the immersiveness is very important for the experience. Um, I would love to take it as far as I can. Like my dream is to take the pictures of a person and not only have them on the wall as a gallery, but be able to actually render 3D characters out of him. And instead of a gallery, create a Madame Tussauds type of, of, of an event where you can actually see the person in 3D. Uh, last week, um, Amazon released some new advanced in the artificial speaking that you can actually record and, and, and bring code back from the dead of, of speech of, of people who passed away by uh, training the, uh, the machine learning to speak with, uh, with their own intonation and their voice and all the great stuff. So the sky's the limit, and as technology will progress, we'll be able to do much more. Right now, there is a lot of limitations around that, and mostly in the form of hardware. Hardware is a very uh, hard nut to crack, and it's very expensive. Hardware is not the same. Like you have a computer that is, is, is X, the other person have Y, maybe you don't have a good GPU, maybe you do. So how do you get something that everybody can use, everybody can experience, it's rich enough, but it's not putting someone on the outside that he cannot use. I think the, the known metaverses like, like uh, uh, Sand and, and Decentraland, and those guys did a really good thing by lowering the poly count, how it looks, how it feels. The problem that taking that approach makes it look like a game. And a game tells a... a, a, a a fairy tale, it, it tells you something that was not real. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go and connect and be able to hook to a real experience, real life experience, making it look like a game is, is not going to service that in a good way. You want something that is more realistic. So it's a challenge between having something that is realistic enough that don't tilt your hardware and make it uh, collapse and that you also have a good experience, good frame rate. So it's always a balance between the experience and the usability on the endpoint of the customer. Wow, you answered that very well. That's a great analysis, and and that seems like with any technology that's on the forefront, you're on the forefront of those issues are common, right? Like how to make it's a similar thing with permanent storage. How to educate people about it. How to like make sure people are able to to use it. And have you heard of the concept of the uncanny valley? If you go too po in the po smaller polygon direction, that could happen, right? And so you don't want to terrify people. Yesterday, KPMG Canada actually released a really nice video that they're finally in the metaverse and they see like a video of the people like walking in the metaverse. And the thing that I saw like immediately came to my mind, it's like, oh, the uncanny valley, it looks so bad. It's like you go to the metaverse and you have those avatars. And when we're talking to people, there is... There is the, the verbal communication, and then there is the, the, the face emotions, the body expressions. There are other layers of context beyond just the, the vocal one. And when you go to the metaverse and you get all those cartoonish uh, characters and you're having a conversation with someone, it's, it's almost like having a phone call. 
actually using a Zoom or a Google Meet or, or any type of a platform where you can see a video is actually transmitting more information about the understanding and the intention of the other side. So I, I see a lot of that uncanny valley uh, in the metaverse. Mm. And this is like one of the reasons why we didn't build in, in the existing platforms. And we decided to do our own thing because we wanted something that is really high poly and really bring things to life and are able to tell a story that we couldn't do when an environment looks such a low poly and looks like a game. One of the things we've talked about in our meetings is death is permanent. Death happens to all of us. And you, have, you had kind of like a sense of humor about it. Why do you think people are so uncomfortable talking about death when it happens to us? You know? Wow. It's the fear <laughs> of the unknown. Nobody wants... So there was someone who told me a long time ago, every person that gets born always gets born with a critical disease called death. We all have that disease and we're all going to die from it one day. <laughs> and we all know it's going to come. We're always afraid of that because it's living the known which have been our life and going to something that we don't know. And what is more mutable and permanent than death? There is no coming back, at least a way that we know about it today. So it's going beyond the curtain without knowing what is there and knowing that you cannot undo, you cannot come back. So it's a one-way journey that, hey, it might be great, but since nobody came back to tell us about the experience on the other side, then people are afraid to go there. Um, life, to me, is kind of like being part of a great game. It's, it's a great game of life. And nobody wants to live a good game. If you're having fun and you're playing a game, you don't want to see the game over sign and know that you're done with that. You want to keep playing. You're, you're having a blast. So why, why have the game end? You want to stay there as much as you can. And... I think that's where it's coming from. We, we all like to be on this planet. We all like to be living, experience, feel. Who want to give it up? Makes sense. Mm, yeah, you're right. It's that Buddhist idea of attachment, and attachment leads to suffering. Maybe memory gardens can help people detach a little bit and have less pain because they know that their loved ones will be able to see their, remember them and they can interact with the pictures and stuff. And I think that's, that's an interesting way that like this project can be therapeutic, you know? Yeah. That, that's how actually it started for me. So one of the things uh, Memory Garden uh, in the beginning started as, as focusing on, on pets that passed away. And I had to go ahead and as part of the demos, I had to go ahead and test the product and create a lot of galleries. I had a dog. Uh, he, he was a Shih Tzu, 16 years old that I, I had to give him wings last year. And he, it was a very hard thing for me because uh, I see him as a family member, as everything. He was with me for so long. He, he moved from Israel to here, to the US with us. Um, great friend for many years. And going through the process on putting his pictures on those galleries and creating all that content and all the testing for the product, it, it was really healing for me. Like before that process started, I couldn't see his picture without tearing up. It was really hard for me. But going and, and putting those memories on the walls, looking, organizing it, it gives you a sense of calm and understanding that, hey, you still have a part of him here. Not everything, but half a percent, one percent, something is still here. It's not all gone. So it, it really helped me to, to deal with that grief and, and that process of grieving in general. And, and I wanted that for everybody. And that's where Memory Gardens came from. But we thought this is such a great idea 
that why just focus with the sad moments of life? Why not have all moments of life? You don't want to only remember the sad things. You want to remember all things. So then we open that to become like the forever gallery in the metaverse and not just a cemetery, a virtual cemetery in the metaverse. That's awesome. So what, if you were to create your memory gardens now, what would you have in yours? Things that like you'd want people to re- remember you now as your life is. What are some things you could think of? The product for me is allowing me to write my own memento. I'm not a good person that can write a good book or a good inspiration of text, but I can tell my own story. I can go ahead and get my pictures from childhood, how I grew up, how I migrated to another country, how I, I started my career, how my kids came to this planet to be, how I started my own business. Those are really interesting points. I would love to see those on my dad, my grandfather, my parents. They don't have that. I want to know them better. I can't. Those moments are not recorded. And even if they are in some cases, there are fragments of that everywhere. There is no cohesive timeline or story for me to go ahead and see who they were as a people. A lot of times as a kid for a parent, you know them in one lens. You don't see the struggles and all the things they had to do in the back end to support you when growing up and becoming a person. So it's really cool in my mind to see it through their lens and how they experienced life and how they experienced my childhood. And then I can see how I experienced that, how they experienced that. And it allows me to appreciate them better and see, oh, wow, they really tried. They tried their best. They did whatever they can to help me become who I am today. What can you tell us about any things, any plans coming up in the future? And where can our community keep in touch with you and learn about all the new cool updates? So for the updates, we have a link tree. It's a, a link tree uh, slash memory gardens. We have our Twitter, which is at memory gardens one. And we also have our Discord server and our website, memorygardens.xyz. In regard for the future, we have a lot of things planned out. Um, we are creating new galleries and new experiences. So you can find the right capsule for your memories. Maybe you want to have something that have an Asian influence. Maybe you want something that, that have some Muslim symbols inside that. Maybe you want something that is look like an Irish uh, old, old castle or something like that. We're going to create different type of assets that you can use to save the memories and tell the story the way you need it to be told. We will also going to work with specific vendors to create a unique experience from a vendor perspective. For example, if you uh, have your favorite beer company that you like, you're going to have um, a, um, a space in like a garage that is decorated like that beer company or that beer logo in that style. And you can put all your great pictures of, of, of your bros or your latest fishing trip or whatever it was in that placement. So we're going to create stuff that is generic and stuff that is, is more proprietary and targeted to a specific brand feel or something around that. Keep your eyes open for all the exciting things with Memory Gardens because we've worked with a lot of different projects and nothing has ever been quite like this. And it's really interesting to me as a fan of history permanence and a fan of telling these stories. So Ben, this is awesome. Thank you for having time to talk. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time, Andrew. I really appreciate that. What a guy. Check out Memory Gardens. And as I said before, the code for the whitelist is RDRIVE675. I'm Andrew. 
please tweet us a link to your PERMA page or your Are We Name System test. We're excited to see everyone's awesome projects and be sure to keep participating in Inferno. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.